Welcome to the Gautrain Talks podcast station, the place to be for all matters related to the Gautrain and how it came to be South Africa's first ever rapid rail link. Joining us today to look at the Gautrain Management Agency's 10-year partnership with the local taxi industry, a man who's played an integral part in that relationship. That's GMA Chief Executive and former Chief Operating Officer, William Dax. William, welcome. Let's start with some background information and your journey with the Gautrain Management Agency. When did you first join the GMA and in what capacity? I started working on the Gautrain just over 20 years ago, but I hadn't joined the GMA. In fact, the GMA didn't exist then. I was in the National Treasury and working on the project along with Jack van Amerwe. I joined the GMA formally in 2010 as the executive manager for technical services and then progressed through chief operating officer to where I am today. Just break down that first role, heading up technical services, what did that entail? And it was a great opportunity because there was no role definition. We kind of got hired, um, brought into the job, had a title but no job description. So we were a small team. I wouldn't say we made it up as we went along, but we, we had a lot of flexibilities. Um, so we did straight engineering work, and then we looked at things like integrated transport planning. We toyed a little bit with marketing and communications, much to Barbara's annoyance, um, and of course, the commercial type activities as well. Now, you, you touch on transport integration, and, and the reason we're chatting today is to look at that 10-year partnership with the taxi industry, which obviously speaks directly to transport integration. So let's look at the origins of that relationship. When did the first discussions take place and how did you get this relationship off the ground? I was actually looking the other day at some of the original paperwork around the approval of Gautrain. It was really interesting. I found an old cabinet minute, you know, the cabinet, the president, the ministers. And it said that the cabinet endorsed the project and supported it fully. But it also said that it should focus on integrating um, with other modes of transport and specifically mention taxis. So the genesis of this goes all the way back to 2005 and the then president and his cabinet, I think very astutely saying, we like the project, but how are you going to be more inclusive in terms of, you know, linking up, integrating with other modes but the interesting part was the taxis because no one had really integrated with taxis um, before then. So it was a real interesting challenge. Um, obviously, there wasn't much discussion during the construction phase because that was all about building stuff mm. between 2006 and 2010. So probably around 2010, the first discussions started and it was focused very much around Alex where our Marlborough station is. And deliberately, there were no formal Gautrain buses that ran from Marlborough station. So it worked well. We could then say, hang on, how are we going to get people from the station to wherever they need to go to or get them from their homes to the stations? And it was a natural fit. You know, the discussions were more about how we do it than why we should, why we should do it. And what was the first response from the taxi industry um, with those first sort of discussions taking place? I'm assuming it sounds like they were open to, to looking at this partnership. Absolutely. You know, very positive, very positive. And I think um, minibus taxi associations are entrepreneurial by nature. 
they businesses you know so this is this is a business opportunity it's a chance to grow the market to get people into minibus taxis who probably wouldn't otherwise have have done it so I, I can't speak for them but i think they saw it as a huge huge opportunity and we worked very hard on building up a trust relationship and i can't kind of overemphasize that and we can talk about some of the challenges but the bedrock of this had to be that we were open honest and built up that trust relationship so it started on a solid footing you'd say it did it did absolutely. And what did Gautrain see as the, the major benefits for you embarking on this relationship with the taxi industry? And again, I can't stress how um, simple this is. It's a business opportunity for us as well. We're in the transport business. We just happen to move people, let's say, thirty or forty or fifty, even up to sixty kilometres. Many bus taxis move people five or ten kilometres. So it's a natural synergy. If we can get people to our stations easily and safely and well, then they'll get on the train, they'll pay the fare that we charge, and we'll have more passengers, more revenue. Um, so again, kind of the natural fit was always just there. And some good sort of big picture thinking, you know, from from initially from government to how train to the taxi industry, all seeing the bigger picture to say, potential benefits and spin-offs for all parties involved. Yeah, and this is where I think I need to just highlight, we also had to take the the minibus taxi associations, and they were local ones, by the way, not sort of the global conglomerate um, ones. The, these are people who own taxis in, in Alex, and <clears throat> stressed to them the importance of becoming a bit more formal. So Gautrain, for example, runs a bus service that is as punctual as the train, almost to the minute. So it's not a, a system where you wait for the taxi to fill up and then you go. It had to become a scheduled service with a fixed departure time, fixed stops along the different routes that were being discussed. And then, of course, the vehicles themselves. You know, they had to be branded part of the Hart train brand. Um, uh, they had to be cleanliness standards, maintenance standards. So there was also a bit of training and a bit of a journey for, for the minibus taxi guys as well, as well as us. I mean, we learned a lot about their business and what, what makes them tick. It was a fascinating journey. That must have been interesting, though, trying to introduce formal standards or formal procedures to an industry or an organization or organizations that largely were relatively informal. Again, not so much in terms of principle. You know, there was no objection to to these types of service levels and service level agreements. It was more about how to do it. You know, so there were elements of training, um, lots of discussions. I wasn't involved in them. We've got a great team at the GMA that leads these. Um, but but lots of discussions and meeting each other halfway. I'm sure, as I said, we learned a lot in this as well. What's doable and what's not not doable. And... Um, yeah, good learnings on both sides. Now, you talked about the, the Alexandra Taxi Association. Were they and the GMA the, the two main stakeholders involved in the, in the, in the genesis or the, the origins of this, this partnership? I would say the two main stakeholders. But, of course, these are formal routes. They've got to be registered with the provincial um, regulator, um, regulating entity, um, so there's a lot of support from the Provincial Department of Roads and Transport. 
as well as, of course, political support from, from the leadership here in Gauteng. Now, William, if we look back now on 10 years of this relationship and this partnership with the taxi industry, what for you have been the biggest successes of this project? Well, let's talk about Gauteng first. It's been very good for us. We added up the numbers. 1.5 million people have traveled on these minibus taxis. Um, the vast majority of them would have got onto the train. So, so for us, it's been very good. The way the model works is that the, um, the taxi associations get to keep the money, the revenue that, that, that comes in. So I've no doubt it's also been good and sustainable for, 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 for them. So from that numbers point of view, it's been, it's been great. But I think from a, if you step back a little bit, what's more important is that we've got the first model where government can actually contract in the um, minibus taxi associations. So we've provided a model that I really think can be replicated around the province as well as the country. Do you think you've also debunked the myth that the, that the taxi industry is a law unto itself and perhaps doesn't follow rules and regulations like other more formalized industries? I think we have. I think we have. You know, And, and again, it comes down to understanding the business brush and all on, on both sides and then contracting around that. So one statistic is that we've never lost a day of service. I'm leaving COVID lockdowns and yeah. that out of it. Whereas in other um, bus modes, there have been many strikes and, uh, you know, and, and, and disruptions. The service levels that are provided by our minibus taxi services is phenomenal. It really, really is good. So I would say that debunks a myth of a, you know, a, a ad hoc kind of um, stop-start kind of service. Welcome back. We are still with the GMA Chief Executive, William Dax, looking at the organization's 10-year partnership with the taxi industry. William, we, we ended off that first segment looking at the successes of this partnership. But now, what about the lessons learned? What, what stands out for you? Keep it simple. You know, as I was saying earlier, trying to contract where there's a solid business rationale works if things are simple. So our service level agreement may have lots of pages in it, but it would basically boil down to run the service, carry passengers, keep the money, and we'll make um, service payments as well that, that make it financially sustainable. So for me, that's the key, key takeaway. Don't, don't overcomplicate this. And another lesson, of course, is keep it local. You know, again, I think if we try to do this at too many stations in the beginning with too many taxi associations, we could have lost our way. So we started small in Alex. We've grown. We're now in, in three different stations running nine routes with different taxi associations. And I think it's easier to roll it out now. There's a model we can take people to and say, listen, look at this. It works. We know how the numbers work. We know how the business works. So... Um, maybe starting small would also be kind of a key takeaway. How long did it take you to, to roll out the, the next one once you started with Alex and, and give us a sort of timeline or time frame as you rolled out those further two stations? So, so um, Alex actually was its own rollout. We started, I think, with one route servicing 
pretty much our offices in Lindbrough Park. Um, and that quickly went to Greenstone Mall and then grew into Marlborough Gardens and the areas. And there was a very interesting one, a weekend service from Santon Station to Monte Cassino, um, which was a great idea. Really, really good, good, good idea. Um, because people kind of like gambling. Um, it was a it was a natural market and, and that took up quite well. And it, and it serviced a need. It serviced a need, yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you stumble across that kind of solution? I, I actually think it came from the taxi associations. They were saying, hang, hang on, there's more opportunities here. Can we you know, can we can we do this? Um, and from our side, it was a great idea because getting through to Monte sometimes can be a bit difficult. Um, and running a weekend service, which is kind of entertainment-based, was something new for us. It was a, was, was a great idea. And once we had kind of got comfortable that, we, that the services running out of Marlborough were stable and working well, then our great team at the GMA, and I can't overstate how important they are to this. The same team's been working on it for the 10 years. Then started approaching um, taxi associations around the province. Um, Centurion was next and then Hatfield. Um, and as I had said, could kind of take the people to Alex and say, listen, it works. Do you want to become involved in this? And after that, it was relatively easy to roll it out. Now, there's no doubt that in any partnership, whether it's a year or 10 years, there are going to be challenges. And you've been in this partnership, this relationship with the taxi industry for 10 years. There must have been some challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges with regards to developing and maintaining this partnership? Yeah, there definitely were, were one or two challenges. The one, the one that I've grappled with the most is the ownership model. You know, we don't want to own... Um, minibus taxis. These are the 22-seater buses. Um, we want the, the associations to own them. But that comes with its complications. Who, who buys the first one? Who buys the second one? How does one create enough um, reserves to be able to, to replace that? So we've been looking at maybe we could lease, um, you know, or the minibus taxi associations could lease these buses um, but then we started breaching that rule of keep it simple. So we're really still grappling with how to how to solve this ownership this ownership model. I think there there are quite a number of of possible solutions. Um, certainly some exciting opportunities to maybe crowd in you know more sort of stakeholders in terms of owner owning these and, and leasing them out. Um, the other challenge which is still ongoing is integrated ticketing. So if you come and travel with me on a on a, um, a minibus out of, let's say, Hatfield Station, I'd have to take you to a separate kiosk and buy you a paper ticket. Now, that's not ideal. We need to have inside these, um, these minibuses exactly the same ticketing system as we do at the station. So you just tap and go, same card, no cash. It's seamless. Make it seamless. So that's the challenge that we're working on now. There is a nice technical solution to it, um, and I think that's going to be key to rolling this out further. So the relationship has, has evolved, and it's, uh, it takes on new nuances and, and features all the time, and, but it's obviously still going strong. It is, and it's, it's the future. You know, I've gone on record saying after this concession is over, 
I don't want Gautrain to own any more buses. You know, to me, this is about we concentrate on our core business of the rail and we contract in feed and distribution services. Um, there might be bigger buses for b bigger routes, but certainly smaller routes, smaller buses, there would be a massive space for, for minibus taxi associations. And can you imagine branded Gautrain, clean, safe, smart, with a tap-and-go type ticketing system, um, fantastic service levels. To me, that's the way that we've got to go. Now, having clearly learned a lot from embarking on this partnership with the taxi industry, William, what advice would you have for an entity similar to the GMA that might want to explore such a relationship with the local taxi industry? Yeah, the one thing I've learned is be careful dishing out dishing out advice. But I'd go back to go back to the basics. Start small. Um, find your partner at a local level. Make the first couple of pilots work, and then grow it from there. I think the levels of complexity, as I said, of trying to do kind of regional contracts or m massive multi-station um, type contracts would be very difficult. So if anyone's listening to the podcast and, for example, has a private sector bank or large company, don't buy your own bus. Go and find your your local taxi association. Contract with them. Our experience shows that they'll give you a much better service at a better cost than you can ever do yourself. Now, you say start small, but you've also developed a model that perhaps could be rolled out into similar areas nationally, not necessarily on a national scale, but in different parts in, in South Africa, you would say? I would say so. I would say so. I mean, the underlying reason people move is to go to work or go to school, you know, and the, and the patterns are quite predictable. So the moment that you know and understand those patterns, you can say, okay, how do we, how, how do we get, move people from A to B? I mean, so this could be a provincial or a municipal transport authority could then start saying, hang on, maybe we can use the car train model here, contract those services um, out to a, to a minibus taxi association. By so doing, kind of formalize them, crowd them into this transport ecosystem rather than have this sort of formal versus informal um, perception which I, I, I don't think is going to be sustainable going forward you know we have to we have to scrap that we have to look at mobility kind of across all modes holistically holistically yeah yeah lastly William looking ahead what are the plans does the GMA have to further integrate its system so I think as I had said we want to move away from owning our own buses those the assets other than the train the train one um Contracting for services, um, owning the brand, of course, very, very important um, for us, but also a, maybe a more inclusive brand, you know. So it's Heart Train as part of a transport authority or a Hearting on the Move type, type, type brand. And that key, key element, that integrated ticketing system, seamless travel, two or three modes, point to point, that's our ideal end, end state. William, thank you for your time and your input. We value your insight and, and your learnings from the Train project. You've been listening to William Dax, the Chief Executive Officer and the former Chief Operating Officer 
of the Gautrain Management Agency, looking at the 10-year partnership with the taxi industry as it relates to integrated public transport. To listen to this and other interviews about the Gautrain, please tune in to our podcasts at Gautrain Talk Station. You can also access further material on our website. That's www.gautrain.co.za or follow us on Twitter. Thank you.